It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. My name is Manuel Veth and we are once again joined by Andrew Flint. Andrew, you are on the road. Um, I believe you're back in England right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, back um, back in my home country for a couple of weeks, or in another week or so more actually. Um, but yeah, I missed out last time because I was, uh, was travelling, but yeah, it's good to be back. And uh, I think we've got a, a pretty good special episode this week. Yeah, something a little bit different, and that's because Tim, who, who joins us pretty much like every week, right, Tim? Um, how are you doing? Um, first of all, how are you doing? How is Vancouver? Um, I'm looking forward to actually hang out with you later today. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, this is great. I'm very excited. Uh, we went to MLS uh, game last weekend, which we'll talk obviously a lot in this uh, episode. And then we go into a game tonight as well. And Spartak starts uh, the Champions League today. So lots of exciting football thing happening in my life. And I'm uh, excited to uh, talk about it on the pod today. Yeah, then this is this is pretty much it. This is one of the busiest weeks that we have on the Football Grad Network. Um, I was up very late last night posting all the, the previews for the Europa League. I think it was in the end it was 10 of them. And then I put up the, the Whitecaps preview. So that's up as well. Um, so lots of, lots of things going on. We had a minute-by-minute minute report from uh, Chris yesterday from the Chelsea-Karabakh game. And, um, you know, the, the Chelsea-Karabakh game is actually, you know, a good keyword because... Caucasus was staying in that general area today um, because we're going to talk about one player in particular quite a bit. Um, someone who had a very interesting story. Um, someone who plays nowadays in Major League Soccer and someone who was really kind enough to speak to us after the game, right, Tim? And that, that's Jura Movsizian. And he's one of the, um, well, you know, there isn't very many big Armenian players these days. One, of course, is Henrich Mikitarin, who you know quite well, Andrew. And the other one is Yuram Movsizian. And uh, we want to just talk to her about him, his story. And we also actually managed to talk to him in the dressing room. And that's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Uh, Tim, when you go into Major League Soccer games, are you actually allowed to go into the dressing room to talk to players? 
and be surrounded by very beautiful masculine males, which is um, interesting experience. Uh, but yeah, they all look great. Um, Euro was extremely nice to us. The press officer um, helped us to to do the interview. He yeah, like uh, Manu applied uh, for you know for the opportunity to speak to Yura. Obviously, that kind of was coming mostly from me because I'm obsessed, as the listeners know, with uh, Spartak, and um, that was a rare opportunity to see for me live and. I actually talk to somebody who played for Spartak not that long time ago. There's only a few players who played, uh, former Spartak players who played in MLS, and Euro is one of those. And Euro was actually a leader of the team for um, probably season, season and a half. He was our main striker, so and it was very recent. So for me, it was extremely exciting to talk to him. And um, yeah, this is what we mm, will hear on the pod a little bit later. Yeah, and, and I mean, Euro Musizian is a very interesting player well, we're gonna talk about his background and his history and the history of armenia and then the, the conflict between armenia and azerbaijan which really much affected him um in a moment but you know he was um tim you were able to speak with him quite a bit about his experience as Spartak, and he was of course in russia from 2011 to 2016 um he played first for for krasnodar and then uh just transferred from krasnodar to to spartak moscow and um you know, he was an important striker for them, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. When he first joined, he was very successful at Krasnodar. Krasnodar was then just becoming that club that he is right now. Right now, Krasnodar is a consistent uh, contender for uh, Euro- Euro- Europa League and uh, hopefully sometime for Champions League. But back then, when he joined, they were just becoming the Krasnodar VR, and he was their main striker. Uh, there were quite a few rumors about him going to, maybe even to England, going to CSKA, uh, but then he ended up through to Spartak. Uh, Karpin was the, uh, the coach who brought him on, um, and um, um, he played in Spartak for a few years. He scored uh, quite a few important goals, and he became, uh, especially in the beginning of his time at Spartak, he became the key striker. He became, and uh, we even had this uh, saying, Samuel Lutri is Armenian at a Euromovsisian. That means that the best Armenian is, is Euromovsisian. So uh, he he was the, the leader of the of, of the, the, our attack. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, you've been in Russia for quite some time now, and you know how, how important of a player he was for Spartak. What's, what's your memories of him playing in Russia? Well, I mean, he's first and foremost, he's a, he's a very good player. He's a very physical player. Um, what I've been surprised at is the fact that he's still only 30 years old. And I think initially a lot of people would have been surprised at him leaving Spartak to go back to um, the US because he had so much success. He just consistently scored. Um you know, I mean, when when you've when you've got such a mixed background and and upbringing as Mofsisian, then of course you're going to have not different loyalties, but you're going to have different attachments to different places. And of course, his major uh, major part of his upbringing was in the states. Hence, he is he started there and and is continuing his career there. But while he played for Spartak, um, he's just one of those players who you would have hated to have to mark. Um, you know, he's a, he's a strong guy, but he's got, you know, he had good finishing. And I, I just think, uh, well, I, you know, if, if he wants to, if he wants to play in the MLS, of course, it's it's his choice. But I think a lot of European clubs probably would be, could could do with a player like him right now. Yeah, Tim, Spartak paid a lot of money to get him back in the day. I know we, we laugh about <laughs> this kind of transfer some now, but in 2013, they paid 7.5 million euros for him. And- 
And that that was, you know, a significant outlay, wasn't it? It was, and it was it's still a lot of money. Like Spartak yeah. now bought a Brazilian Russia for 12, and it's still considered quite a lot, even in today's markets. Back then, it was a lot of money, and obviously, Krasnodar did good business for them. But he was coming up as a, one of the of the best strikers, the, the best um, um, goal scorer of the league. So, obviously, Krasnodar had uh, an opportunity to make a good a good money for him. So, he was coming as a, as a star of the league, and obviously, he was going, um, stepping up a level, because even... In the end, uh, Krasnodar in those years ended up being in table higher than Spartak, but still the size of the club. Back then, Krasnodar didn't have their beautiful stadium. So it was it was a step up for Yuram Ovsisan in terms of status, in terms of the the attention which he got. So obviously, Krasnodar cashed in on that and they did well. And uh, yeah, uh, that was a, that was still uh, a, a one of the top, um, you know, spending transfers for Fidun. Yeah, and in, you know, just to... To recap that, he came into the league during this very complicated uh, <laughs> tradition year, transition year, right? Where they yeah. had 37 games and he scored 14 goals and seven, goal, uh, seven assists in his first season. Uh, second season, he only played uh, 13 times, but he still, still scored nine goals and two assists. That's um, very, very much outstanding. And um, first season at Spartak, 16 goals in 27 games. That's... Very good. You know, when we often talk and um, we talk quite a bit about um, players that get transferred from Russia to the West. And uh, the, the most recent example was, of course, Jonatas. And um, a lot of the German media asked me what I knew about this guy and why he only managed nine goals, which didn't seem like a lot. And I said, I said to him, listen, Russia last season had four guys that scored in the double digits. It's not a league where a lot of players score a lot of goals because it's a very defensive minded league, right? So he, he managed to score a lot of goals in a league where it's not easy to score a lot of goals. So that's, that is, I mean, the mark of a really good striker when you get someone like him. And I, I, that's always like, you know, what, what stood out for me for when I saw him play. I, I always saw a guy who, who could have done well in any league, really, because he had that, he had the physicalness. He's a, he's a very strong lad. Um, you know, when you compare it to Henrik Mikitarian, for example, The other famous Armenian who is such a, uh, a artist on the ball, right? And, but has a little bit of a, of a slider frame. Mofsizian is a, is a rock. And we saw that in the dressing room, didn't we, Tim? He's a, he's a strong guy. Yeah, strong guy with a very big watch. I don't know. That's that's an exercise in itself. But uh, yeah, he he is. Um, yeah, like uh, exactly what Andrew said. He is the player you would hate to play against. He's not maybe the most technical, or I don't know what how to describe his his play. But he's a disgusting player to mark. Because he's he's strong, he's always goes for the ball. He goes in those fifty uh, fifty tackles, and this is how he scored a lot of goals. He also has a very good shot, and really he's like a disgusting player to play against. And this is his strength. Um, he goes he goes in those spots where you don't want him to be. And he's this is aggressive. Uh, yeah, like I said, maybe not the most beautiful uh, style player, but regardless, that resulted in lots of goals and in the in and Yeah, if you go back and rewatch his Sparta goals, they are so different. But that again shows his class that he can score different types of goals. And he still he still talks about those goals quite a bit. I mean, um, we'll, we'll play the interview in just a moment, the first half of our interview. But speaking to him, Tim, we got a sense um, that 
Spartak is a huge club for him and and in his memory and the, the, in his career and um do people underestimate especially outside of Russia how big Spartak of a club is I think yeah I think it's hard especially given the last uh, 16 years of uh, without winning the league and not being consistently in Champions League because in the 90s everyone who I spoke and even when I moved to Canada after uh, Spartak stopped playing in uh, Champions League regularly people still knew Spartak right now people know more Zenitska because they're just on the European stage but uh, historically Spartak is the biggest club in Russia, and um, of course, it's, it's a massive club uh, in, in the country. And um, uh, he even said, I don't remember if it made in the interview, or if he said it after the interview, that that was the, the, the biggest part of his career. And he said, sitting in the uh, Real Salt Lake City dressing room with the press officer next to himself. So, you know, he, he was honest, and um, yeah, he, he, he played those big games, and uh, don't underestimate, obviously. MLS, but he he said that that was my that was my biggest part of my career, the most successful one, um, which um, yeah was was great. And um, just for for the listeners, also when we will hear the part one of uh, the interview with Yura, uh, understand that he just finished a game mm -hmm. um, where they lost, and he was subbed off. So obviously he wasn't most enthusiastic enthusiastic. Um, in, in most enthusiastic mood, but so please bear with him because obviously, like he sounds a little bit quiet, but that's explainable after 90 minutes of the game and they lost the game. Obviously, the dressing room was very quiet. So uh, please be supportive to Europe. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about this game uh, after this interview a little bit, but I, I agree, he did not seem the most excited at first, and it was kind of funny because the, the press officer asked. Um, Ask whether or not he was okay to talk, and he hesitated for a moment. And he's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much sums up uh, his day in the office. I think. Well, we'll talk about his day in the office, um, you know, later down the podcast. But this is this is what uh, Euro had to say about his time uh, at Spartak Moscow. So, let's listen to that for a moment here. After 16 years, uh, Spartak became the champions, and it was a long wait for the fans. Did you get a chance to watch a couple of games or like, experience that? Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, I watched a lot of games. I always watch Spartak's games. Obviously, you know, being an ex-gladiator, it, uh, it was a very fulfilling moment to see, you know, our team win, uh, finally. With not so many changes with the with the team we had, um, so I felt very proud for the players, the, the the guys that were there, the guys that you know went through a lot, including myself. So um, it was very fulfilling and a proud moment for me to see my friends win the win the league, you know, because a lot is expected from Spartak. No matter what you do, you're supposed to win. You know, it's like, as everybody saw, um, is one of the most famous teams in the world. So uh, it was very, very fulfilling, very proud moment for me. Yeah, and your friends, uh, Rebrov, uh, Dima Kambarov, Jano are still playing the, for, for Spartak. So, yeah, for them it was also a big moment. Um, you played with quite a few coaches uh, in Russia. It seems to me that the, the best chemistry you had with Valery Karpin. What would you say were his strengths uh, as a coach? 
player management. You know, I feel like uh, Gottman was a was more of a player manager. Uh, you know, each coach needs to know how to handle players. Every player is different. Every player's uh, character is different. You know, you can't treat every player the same way. So I felt like, you know, he he probably did it the best. He that's how you get the best out of your players. And if you don't uh, manage your own players, if you don't manage every player separately, you won't get the production. So that's why, you know, uh, I had the most success with Garpin because he could manage me. Uh, you played a lot of games and scored a lot of goals. What would you say was the be- the best game? Was it Terek three nothing when you did a hat trick in your debut game, or was it Zenit hat trick? Oh man. I think there's been quite a few games, good games. Um, obviously, those games because I had hat tricks, it, it stands out. Um, yeah, first game was a pretty nerve-wracking game for me. Uh, yeah, getting getting the goals at Luzhniki was something special, you know. Um, and then again, Zenit, I was actually watching the games. I don't know how I stumbled through um, the videos. And uh, I was watching the, the highlights of uh, the Zenit game. Unfortunately, we had no fans at the Lokomotiv Stadium. But, uh, yeah, those are those are special games for me. You know, those are games that it's in history, you know. Uh, not, not many players can do score hat-tricks. But at the same time, if you watch those games, you know, It's not just me scoring, you know, that especially that's any game. Look at uh, Ribrov saving the PK that saved our game, you know. So it's like it's all the players together that we got the we got the win. And then the last goal, Klushakov scored was just an amazing goal. You know, he goes through five players, which is, you know, amazing. So, yeah, that's um, that's part one. I mean, um, Andrew, <laughs> It it shows you, you know. You, you, I get the sense when you when you listen to him that you almost feel uh, he's very downtrodden at first, and he's a bit wary about starting the interview. But when he then talks about his memories of Spartak, um, you, you really sense that that time was important for him, wasn't it? Well, you do, and it sort of links into my 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 comment earlier about how. Some people would understand we'd be a little bit surprised that he did move back to the MLS at such an early age because, you know, okay, it didn't. The end of his time at Spartak, he 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 lost his place a little bit in the side, but um, it's you, you can't escape. You cannot escape how huge Spartak is, and it works both ways. I mean, Tim, obviously, as our listeners know, is is fully versed in how huge Spartak is, and he mentioned it earlier. But for some people, it can be a positive, and I think that's what shone through mostly in in his words. Uh, in that it is a huge club. You're playing for the best supported club in the country, but for others, the pressure can get too much. Um, I don't get the sense the pressure did get too much for Mavsisian. I think it, it has for others and, and and it will continue to be too much for others. But, you know, you you cannot play for a club like Spartak um, and, and not make it and not have it as such a significant part of your career. I think possibly the one thing that would have kept him there uh, would have been um, Silverware success uh, I mean I mean tangible success here um, so perhaps we would have seen a different career path form of Sissian had 
had Spartak um, been slightly more stable in the in the silverware department, but yeah, I mean, it's I think it's it's very it's it's touching almost to hear him speak like that about Spartak because you know you'd understand coming back to his roots where he grew up. Um, perhaps he's more settled in in um, in Salt Lake City. So, um, but I, I like to hear that. I like to hear a, a player not be ashamed or embarrassed to say how much it meant to him playing for a previous club. Um, so, yeah, I mean that's Spartak for you. Yeah, Tim and I. I, I watched you guys do this interview, and uh, you got the sense. You know, you obviously you you a huge Spartak fan. We can't deny this, and. Uh, I got, you know, he was downtrodden about because of the result and all that. But um, you could see a smile grow on his face as he was talking to you about all these memories. And uh, that is, that's something you don't often see when you do interviews with players, you know, that they're, um, you were saying to me afterwards, you got the sense that he, that, that we got a lot of time. We spent a lot of time with him. At the dressing room, a lot more than the average interview goes post game. Most of the interviews are just a couple of minutes long. He spent a good almost eight minutes with us, right? And you got the sense almost that he really enjoyed talking about those memories, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. His answer answers were open. He talked about it, and yeah, like um, even uh, ver like uh, non verbally or verbally, like when like when I saw him, I saw you know a bit of like a glance of um, like you said a smile in his eyes. He was uh, he was he was going through those memories, and um, it, it's clearly when he was he called like. He says, I'm so happy for my friends uh, to win the trophy. And you can see that, like, yeah, he says, he also says, I spoke to Glushakov recently after they won the trophy. So even he is now in, in, in States and playing in MLS, he's still somehow in touch. Then he said the funny thing is, like, I have no idea how he stumbled it on YouTube, but I found my my goals for Spartak. And again, this was like, okay, so, like, see, he has this this connection with the club, and I clearly saw that in his eyes and in his, in his smiles. And then in the end of the second part we'll hear when I just ask a, uh, a bit of a like a joke question he laughed and you, I, you can see definitely the energy and after the interview like when we were done I said a couple of, of thanks uh, to him in Russian say that thank you so much for your time and for our club uh, thanks for everything you've done for us and I said that in Russian and he responded in Russian and you clearly can see that uh, he also thanked me for, for the interest and he says yeah it, it was great um, like I'm 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 happy that I like it, you can definitely sense that uh, that Spartak is 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 a club for him and he has connection and it was nice for him to go back there even in his thoughts uh but uh, you clearly and like you said most most of players they give like when you interview players they give you short uh, careful answers uh, mm -hmm. to make sure that they don't say anything wrong. He was very open. He spoke, and as he was, uh, you know, getting his um, like clothing in 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 the bag and like he was dressing on, you can s clearly he he had the interest in in talking to me, and it was nice for him to go back to those memories. Yeah, and the, the one thing that you're always a bit wary about when you speak to players after a game um, is the is is their you know their comfort and now also just you know that you give them space because it is it is tough after a game and we saw some of the guys come into the dressing room with ice bags strapped to all, or pretty much every joint yeah uh, and because you know it is rough and playing in Vancouver is especially rough because you know it's a long flight for most teams and then um, they play on artificial surface surface which is very hard on the joints and 
Um, that's something that struck me. They, they all seemed very exhausted. And I think they were heading straight to the airport to go to their next destination. MLS is brutal that way. But I want to touch on that in, in just a moment. And Mufsizian is such a different player um, because... He is American, um, he, but he wasn't born in, in America. He was actually born in Azerbaijan, even though he's Armenian. And this brings us back to um, a time that wasn't very easy in, during the time of the, the Soviet Union and the collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, the Caucasus republics, of course, um, where Armenia and Azerbaijan are located, have always been volatile, even during the time of the Soviet Union. And... Um, Yormosizian was born in Baku in 1987, when the seams of the the Soviet Union became undone, right? And um, unfortunately, that also meant that there's always been sort of conflicts over certain territories, even during the time of the Soviet Union, between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Most importantly, of course, the Nagorno-Karabakh region, which we have touched on in the past. And there's lots of good books written about that, but... The, the issue, of course, of the Soviet Union was that it was a multinational state. So um, a lot of Armenians, because you have to remember, back then it was one country. So there, there, were, there were different republics within the country, but it also meant that a lot of Armenians, for example, lived in places like Baku, you know, because it was close enough. There was oil wells, there's oil industry, etc. there. So when the conflict broke out between Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan, and this is, again, this is during the time of the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union was still in existence. And um, he, his family escaped the pogroms uh, in Baku, you know, that killed, or well, they think they, they killed 90, uh, 90, uh, 90 Armenian civilians living in, in Baku and it lasted from January 13 to 19 to 1990. Um, it's interesting because when you speak to Euro about this time, he doesn't even remember the exact date. And I guess that is something, you know, Tim, you and I have immigrated from our home countries to another country. It is, it is a weird transition, right? When you leave your country and you make yourself a new home, a part of you always is going to be from where you are originally. But um, at the same time, it always becomes a little bit of a blur when you leave, doesn't it? Well, I, I, he left at a very young age. I left at the age of 22, so I, I still have good memories. But his story is very similar to mine because when the Union, Soviet Union broke down, uh, my family started thinking of moving somewhere else. I remember being a kid in the early 90s, and I knew pretty much that I will be. I will not be living in Russia. I will be living elsewhere because my family tried to do everything and tried to see all the different uh, ways to escape, uh, you know, Soviet Union, though, which broke to Russia, and then eventually go to 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 live abroad and pr uh, pretty much North America. Um, and the reason for that is not some kind of you know anti-patriotic or something. Just it was a tough time in the country. It was the the country which we all knew stopped, and there's and it became a whole bunch of different countries. It was a bit of an anarchy because uh, because really it was it was it, it, there was no constitution for a little bit. Um, there was no clarity of what will happen in the future, and obviously lots of parents and lots of fa families were in this position that okay, so if we have no idea what will happen here what will happen in, in the next few years so we, we probably should go to a safer place and um, that was exactly 
you know what what my family and Euro's family did. So we just moved left our home countries at a little bit of different age, but the reasons for that were exactly the same. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is it is difficult. And you say like you you touch on something really important here. And Andrew, you asked me this before. Um, is he eligible to play for the United States? Or was he eligible to play for the United States? And um, yes, he was. He was. He was. You know, he he play, spent his entire footballing career in America. He's a generation Adidas player. He went to the Pasadena and played for the Pasadena Lancers. He played in college uh, for Pasadena City College. Um, he was drafted in the 2006 MLS Super Draft. So he his career in a lot of ways. Um, reflects that of any college kid who goes to major league soccer. Um, but he did choose to play for Armenia. And that is something that is quite interesting, isn't it, Andrew? That he decided, you know, uh, that the country, the United States, gave him everything. But I think this is something, and he'll, he'll talk a little bit about that um, in, in the interview. But the fact that he did choose to play for Armenia, that says quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything you guys have been saying about your time spent with him and and listening to the interview itself, it's it's very clear what type of character he is. He's a very unemotional person, and and you know, he, I've read uh, I've read interviews in the past of him where he's talked about his time in America, and he clearly has very very deep roots and always has kept them, even when he was in Russia. Um, you know, he, he he talks about a a youth tournament that he he keeps going uh, every year, and he comes back to in in Pasadena, um, and he keeps coming back each year to keep that running. Or he certainly did, um, even while he was in Russia. And uh, yeah, like you say, the fact he chose to represent Armenia. I, I mean, uh, if I'm being honest, if I was in his position, I probably would have done the same because home is, is an important thing. Mm. Um, all three of us live in different countries now um, for different reasons at different times. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm English first and foremost. And I love Russia and I, I plan to live there the rest of my life. But, you know, for, in Euro's position, he's, he's Armenian and, and he always has been, always will be. So um, mm. I, I guess a surprise for me has been actually how how little he has been has been picked to play for the national team i would have expected a player of his quality and his international experience um to play more than 30 times for armenia uh I, I, that's yeah. just a surprise of mine yeah um now i perhaps there's you guys will have an, an insight on that him being based in the mls has that <laughs> affected his his ability to travel his exposure to the Armenian national team I don't know but um, I say good for him for, for sticking to what is important to him that's actually a really 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 good one Andrew because you know Armenia's national team um, it actually is a very talented side but they're always very underperforming we have we're fortunate that we have um, a writer um, Karen Rafraelian who writes for us on Armenian football and the politics of Armenian football are difficult. And Euromov Sizian is one of the players who's actually at several occasions said he's no longer going to play for this team because, and this has nothing to do with his patriotism, is because the team is really badly managed. And there's a lot of um, infighting and politics going on with this, with this, with the Armenian national team, which at times meant that he hasn't played for them. And a lot of players have to, decided not to play for them. And, that makes it very difficult, you know, because he is a class striker. I think any uh, any team, um, you know, unless you're Germany, 
Italy, Spain or Brazil would use be would love to use a player like him because the scoring rate is there. Um, but you know, let's listen to what Euro had to say about you know going back to to MLS, um, the Armenian diaspora, and of course his 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 travels from from um, Major League Soccer to um, back to the post Soviet space. So this is what Euro Movsesian had to say. You were away from MLS for quite a few years. How would you say the league changed for the better after you know after you came back to to the league? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I came to a completely new league um, because simple fact is just look at the players that are coming. You know, they're not coming at 35, 36, 37 years old. They're coming at you know 28, 29, and I was one of the players that I wanted to come and play here. Um, At, at, a, at a young age, at a, at a good age, so I think that that speaks volume. Um, simple stuff like the attendance is just, you know, top notch. Is probably one of the best in Europe. Uh, if you look at the attendance, you know, we're having sold out stadiums almost everywhere. So uh, that's, you know, that has a lot to do with the way the league has grown and the players that are playing and um, just organization wise, every club is, you know, is advanced so fast that uh, sometimes it's difficult to keep track of. Yeah, and I saw even today there you had some fans, some Armenian fans, so people follow you and people watch you. That's that's really, it's really heartwarming to see you uh, being supported from all over the place. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, Armenians are everywhere, you know, just the way our history is. Uh, unfortunately, we had to spread, um, we had to divide and You know, there's Armenians everywhere, every part of the world, every corner of the world, and you know it's really amazing to see uh, people show up at the game and you know support you. It's you know it's one of the most rewarding um, you know moments in a in a in an athlete's career in a soccer player's or any athlete to see the support of his own country. You know, I've always had great support from my country, from my um, fans, and you know, it, like I said, it's uh, one of the most rewarding things to see. I saw before the game you hugged uh, Vancouver Whitecaps uh, goalie Utsted. Um How was it playing with him back in Denmark? Have you been friends since then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, if you look at um, my first six months in Randers, you know we we achieved something unimaginable. You know we were what was it, 13, 14 points in relegation, and we ended up you know staying up and not losing a game. So. You know things like that. You never forget. You know players, but especially David is just a—he's a sweetheart of a person. He's—he's—he's <laughs> he's, he's, he's just an extremely nice guy. You know, uh, so it's always uh, a lot of fun to uh, play with guys that you've played, play against them. Um, brings back just great memories, and you know, it's good competition too. And the last question, a bit of a joke one. Um, I remember that in Tarasovka you used to do shashliki with the whole team. What does it mean Lulyashki at Yurashki? <laughs> yeah, let me guess. It's Glushakov that said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glushakov actually came up with that phrase. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That was just something Glushakov came with, came up with. Uh, you know, I felt like back when I was there, everybody outside of it didn't really believe in us, but. You know, all the players had good, good relationships, even though there was a lot of internationals, a lot of Russians, you know, um, a lot of stuff had been written about us, but we had a good collective group, we had a uh, good understanding, you know, we were, we were very close, 
Um, so it's uh, something that uh, will always be remembered. Obviously, you know, I talked to Glushakov not so long time ago um, after they won a championship. You know, I've talked to him a couple of times, and you know, it's uh, it's great memories, and it's something that you know uh, will stay forever. You know, he had his phrase, I had my phrase for him, so. <laughs> What was the phrase if you don't mind? Oh no, there's too many cuss words for that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, beep it out. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be too many beeps. <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Good luck with the career. Yeah, Tim, there's a lot in there, isn't there? I mean, um, hard to hard to really think about where we're gonna start. Uh, we touched about the fact that he grew up in the United States and uh, he, he, obviously the fact that he was born in Azerbaijan and his history. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, that was a really good spot before the game. You saw the Armenian flag at the Vancouver Whitecaps and, and where Yurimov Sizian came out and he gave those fans a hug. And then you said, oh, look, he gave them a shirt and you actually asked him about that. And uh, well done, first of all, for spotting that because that was, that was a good eye, good eye. Um, but it really shows how important that background still is for him, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And he speaks once we spoke about Armenia, and he like he really passionately spoke about it. And you saw that that you know uh, before the game, he stopped uh, there. There were a few fans. I think it was a dad, and I think it was two kids. Uh, they had Armenian flag um, next to where the teams were coming from. Um, I spotted that uh, right away when we got to the stadium. They were there very early. They were there before the team started warming up. So they were there probably hour and a half before the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, when he um, uh, started warming up, he stopped by, he signed autographs and he had a couple of words with the, with the fans. And then after the first half, um, he's on, on purpose, he, um, he's, I saw him taking off the shirt somewhere when he was probably 20, 30 meters away from that corner. So he remembered that there are some, uh, some, uh, some people who support him uh, who are Armenians. And he just, you know, it wasn't like, oh, hey, give me the shirt. And he figured out that he should give the shirt. He, he kept it in the back of his head. And um, so, yeah, that shows him that it's, it means a lot to him that uh, this support um, Is 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 not just like a regular fan support. It's more a little bit more than that. It's a patriotic and a home home country support. Yeah, that's. I, I actually I like that uh, quite a lot. The other thing that you and again, good eye. Uh, he went over to David Usted during the warm up right away. Gave him a big hug. David Usted, of course, is Vancouver's um, sometimes starting goalkeeper these days, and we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But. Uh, he gave him a huge hug and that's because of course when he tr- made his route back to play in, in Europe he went uh, via Denmark of all places and I mean Andrew that choosing that path to go to Russia before going to Russia is pretty smart I mean it shows that he had a he had a plan so he in 2010 um, after four years in MLS so he had he had some time to develop in MLS He went to Randers, um, of all places, in Denmark to play uh, in European football there first. And um, it was from there that he, you know, went to Krasnodar and later Spartak. But it shows quite a bit um, about football intelligent, doesn't it? That he knows, uh, that he knew um, that he had to make a step first in Denmark. Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, he he had an agent at the time. I don't know if he still is his agent, uh, Patrick McCabe, who 
who was was very significant in that that decision um, in persuading him to go to a team where, look, he said, you're go to a team where you're a young guy, go where you're going to play, go where you're going to develop. Because if so many, so many players have come from, um, well, for South America in particular, but have come from other areas of the world, have come to Europe trying to break it, and they just have gone, been swallowed by the size of the league. Um, so... So when his agent recommended it and, you know, he, he, I mean, again, we keep coming back to this about Musician. He talks about um, Patrick McCabe like a best friend, not as an agent. And it is clear that that personal connection on any level is so important to him. So when somebody advises him well like that, I, I, I think it's fantastic that an agent did advise him to go to a smaller club first for the good of his career. I mean, I'm sure the you know the the cuts that um, his agent would have taken had he gone to Spartak first would have been much bigger. But look how it worked out for him. He got to play for a huge club in Russia after the stage in Denmark, and he was better prepared for it. So, absolutely, I, th- I completely agree with you, Manny. It's um, it's very it's very pleasing to see somebody make decisions with the long term future of their career in mind, and um, and Mosisian certainly is one of them. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know he had offered some uh, Ruben Kazan and Dinamo Kiev um, during his time at Randers, and and the end he chose Krasnodar. And Tim, that's another good step. It was another good step in his career, wasn't it? Because uh, Dinamo Kiev are a huge side, and Ruben Kazan, um, you know, they they had a little bit of an odd one back then. Of course, they were playing Champions League and all that, but it's it's always a difficult place to go to as a foreigner. So you know, going to Krasnodar, a team that was willing to develop young players. That was another smart step in his career, wasn't it? Absolutely. Just to follow up on what Andrew said exactly, uh, that's a smart work from the agent. Looks like the agent knew what he was doing. And exactly like knowing, um, you know, have a good understanding of the market uh, for a good developing player. So, you know, like a a step uh, that's actually a fairly common route for players, uh, some of African players, sometimes um, Latin American players, so is the step uh, Scandinavia and then Russia. Yeah. That's 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 common because Russian um, agents they know Scandinavian market, and and uh, obviously the Russian league is slightly higher level than uh, let's say Swedish league or Danish league. But it's it's a good step. So when you show yourself that you're capable of being one of the best players in Scandinavia, then you go to Russian league. That's uh, that's what Mavsisan did. But a very smart step that he went to Krasnodar. Krasnodar is a successful uh, club, but back then it was uh, still a developing club, but that was a perfect uh, spot for him. Not going to a lower league uh, team where you will be fighting for relegation and you might face financial issues. Not going to the top club where you will be will you be sitting on the bench and might not get a chance. Going to this great developing club and um, you know proving yourself and then moving to uh, the next level. That's exactly what Mavsisan did and um, I will give it to the agent. Uh, I'm not sure that Yura knew that Krasnodar was a great option for him. Uh, so good job for the agent definitely a great professional yeah absolutely and, um, and maybe the, the the last thing we do need to talk about is, is his return to Major League Soccer and we know that there were some issues when he left Spartak right and um, good for him to still think about that entire time positively but you know you get the sense and this is something that we, we talked about after the interview he, he sounds like an American kid doesn't he he has that American college accent and 
um, typical LA kind of kid. You get the sense that he he feels more at home there, playing there, doesn't don't you? Exactly, and uh, he 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 said that he was missing his family, his area, and he always wanted to come back to Los Angeles to be close close to the family. But again, something that you important that you say that he, even he is Armenian, he was brought up in in United States, and he has United uh, American mentality, and that showed in his time in Spartak because uh, he started great, but over the period of time, especially in the second half of his career at Spartak, he had nine injuries, and those not not major injuries they were injuries that kept him away from playing for a few months uh, but he was out of form then he had to come back to form and one of the criticisms which I heard um, about him was that he wasn't really going extra mild he was very careful with his recovery he wouldn't go right away of playing he he wanted to make sure every time that he is fully um, fully fully recovered from the injury and even if my the coach might ask him are you ready to play he would say no I'm still not ready because I need to fully recover that's slightly different from Russian mentality. We would go, even if we're not fully ready, uh, we would go and play. It was different, and that shows him um, his American mentality, and that's actually prof- professionalism. By doing that, maybe he extended his playing career. Who knows? Uh, but um, that was the difference between Russian mentality and his um, American mentality, and um, so that was that was slight misunderstanding between him, the fans, the press, and obviously the coaching staff. That shows him again that, like going back to what what you said, it's uh, he has uh, even with his him being an Armenian, he still has uh, American mentality, which you know, uh, and it's just a different mentality. And that was slightly a, a bit of a clash between him and uh, that was in the end of his career. You know, but the thing is, this is this is maybe, and we we talked about this, and maybe Andrew, you can add something to this too, uh, Tim. Major League Soccer is such a professional league in every matter. It is super professional. The way that we did, we got treated as the press. The way they structured the game, they the fans, the stadiums are full now. You know, that's what Euro said too. It's a completely different league than when he left. The stadiums are always full. Um, Preparation and professionalism is everything. The way the, um, the, the clubs are structured, they're like fully complete professional teams. The level of play isn't quite there yet. You know, as terms of level of play, the league is not as good as the league in Russia or any European league. But everything else, the entire package around it, they are, they're maybe even ahead of most European leagues, right? And injury prevention is such a massive thing in the United States. So you, you, you get that sense that in a way, you, and this is maybe something that also, you know, you could listen a little bit when you talk to him. He understands that the league isn't quite there yet on the pitch, but you get the sense. And when we watched the game, this, this was a fantastic game, by the way, 3-2 for the Whitecaps. Mufsizian um, was a part of, he didn't score, but he was a part of making one of the goals happening, right? And um, there is a lot of excitement in this league happening right now. And you get the sense that he really wanted to be part of that. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I would say about MLS is that, I mean, it, there's a lot of scepticism about how the entire the concept of the MLS as a closed league is in Europe. There's a lot of scepticism still, but you've got to give some credit at the very least, um, like you say, about the professionalism, the fact that better, younger, more at their peak players are starting to play in the MLS. Um, I'd even just pick out just off the top of my head the fact that David Villa got a recall to the Spain squad recently mm. on the back of his um, form for New York uh, New York City. So 
the league itself is a place to be, certainly infinitely more than it was a decade ago. Um, so in in a sense, you can see why um, Mutisian thought, well, you know, it's not just because of my personal connection to the country, but also the league itself, the preparation, looking after myself, looking after my health. Um, so I think a player like Mutisian, who... For, for people who are not regular watchers of the Russian League, but watch European leagues in general, they might not be so aware of him, but they ought to be, because a player like this is a sign of how MLS is changing, in my opinion. Um, you guys have a more direct um, take on this, sure, but the fact that a player who had really one of the biggest clubs, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say one of the biggest clubs in Europe, not maybe the top tier, but very, very close to it. And he was the main guy there. And he came back at the peak to the MLS. That says a lot about the league. So, um, again, it says a lot about the league, but also it says a lot about Mofsisian himself. You know, he's got a clear idea what's important to him and he's not afraid to pursue it, even if it is against the grain, so to speak, of what most other European-based players would do. Yeah, Tim, that's something that you commented on. I know you weren't a big fan of the MLS in, in the past, but you said, and this is, this is something that I sense from you, it was like, this was fun. Um, it was actually a good game, right? And uh, I think that is something that a lot of people, they, they look at MLS once and they, they see, okay, well, this isn't, this is the, everything is okay, but it doesn't have, the product on the field isn't great, but it's almost worth giving that league a second chance, just like Euro did, don't you think? Absolutely, and like I did. Uh, but uh, I have a very strong opinion on MLS. I think it's a great league, and everything is done at the top level, pretty much and some in some aspects, maybe even higher than some European leagues. And even in Russia, you talk about injury prevention. The only thing which is lacking is the actual football. Mm. Um, but... It's exactly what Euro says in the interview. He said, I came back to a completely different league. We have different players coming into the league at a different age. And um, I th I'm pretty sure that um, this will develop the, uh, with time, not in five years, maybe in 10 or more years. But eventually, um, the, the, the level of football will grow in the league, given all the resources and just an amazing uh, job how Canadian and North, uh, sorry, and American um, people just developed this league. We know, everyone knows that Americans are the best Uh, nation at selling sport in terms of uh, promotion, in terms of actual um, uh, resources, uh, facilities, they are the best. Mm. Uh, the, the level of play will come. And uh, the game we saw was fun. Um, again, like you can see, uh, if you compare it to Champions League football, the level is not there. But everything else was at the top, top level. Working with press, fans, the, the stadium, uh, everything that surrounded the game, it was top top level the, the the level of play will come eventually yes you know six years gap and he noticed the difference oh i think this is what people have to realize the league is just 25 years old it's it's a baby you know mm -hmm. and i i think um, people criticized mls quite a bit i do it myself but then you look at what they have achieved and then you say well that's actually pretty good and They are now, and they have now started to target players in their prime from Europe and, and South America in particular. We noticed all the South Americans playing for the Whitecaps and someone like Jordi Reina could play, you know, they got him from Red Bull Salzburg and he could play easily in any of the European top leagues and he plays in Vancouver. 
And I think that is that is a sign that does that, that there's signs and things to come for this league. And I'm I'm looking forward to tonight's game, Tim. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to be at the Minnesota United, so um, our um, our game reactions, etc., will be all on uh, footballsidage.com on the Football Guard Network. So yeah, that, so I'm really excited for that, and hopefully. Uh, Minnesota will grant us some time with Epson and we'll get to speak to the next Spartak player. Uh, yeah, Tim. No, no, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to hang out with you again to do to do the match report for the football grad. And yeah, literally, if we can do another interview with another former Spartak player, it just we just lacked out that we have in a week two former Spartak players coming to Vancouver. Uh, it will be great. I, I really hope we can manage that, and hopefully the listeners will enjoy another interview. Yeah, I know. The, the our goal is, of course, to have. And, you know, we like to branch out on football grad, the site itself, and uh, have have uh, you know a little bit of an article of uh, former players from Spartak playing in the Major League Soccer. So that will come to you in, in the next few weeks, a bit of a timeless piece. But you know, um, we have <laughs> we almost you know we have spent most of our time on this podcast on Mufsizian, which is a great story to cover, and, and really enjoyed it. But we need to talk a little bit. And last part about what CSKA did to Benfica last night, because that was for me one of the big surprises in the still very young Champions League season. A young Russian player scored a game-winning goal, Shamalitinov. Um, we knew about this guy for quite some time because he was featured in the Guardian about two or three years ago as one, maybe one of the up-and-coming young Russian players. He has finally burst onto the scene, hasn't he, Andrew? And you know, maybe, just maybe, another striking option up front if he keeps developing. Well, he he looked um, he looked brilliant when he came on. Uh, I mean, I have to be honest. I I don't think anybody could have foreseen Siska getting anything from this game. This was one of the games in the group which I had effectively written off. I thought Benfica away, Manchester United away for Siska. I really wasn't expecting anything, but. I mean, uh, Jamal Letdinov, when he came on, he he was confident on the ball. It, what really struck me was the fact that he didn't seem to notice the fact that he was in a huge, magnificent Estadio da Luz uh, playing against a team with significant European pedigree. Um, he, he just, he wanted the ball. He ran at defenders. And, you know, we talked about... <laughs> We talked about Mufsisian being a player you don't want to play against. Well, Jamaletdinov is is a different type of player. He's he's smaller, he's slighter, he's he's a completely different concept. But, my word, he he looked confident. Um, Now, there's going to be the inevitable, I don't want to say backlash, but there's going to be an inevitable pressure that's going to be mounted on him now. He scored his first Premier League goal at the weekend. Now he scored his first European goal. Um, But another option. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we're slowly, slowly starting to see youth come through at Tiska. Uh, and of course, Viktor Gontrenko is, is famous for bringing through youth. So it might be that this is where, this is the direction they're going to go in. Um, you know, they're famous for not spending money for last, I mean, something like the last six transfer windows, they spent less than a million euros. So um, Jamaletdinov, sorry, might be um, the way forward. Yeah, Tim, a bit of a blessing in disguise, the financial problems at CSKA, forcing them to play the youth. Absolutely, and actually it works out for them. I really, um, um, let's say, okay, so uh, if, if CSKA have financial problems, let's say if this is a given fact, 
I think if you take this as a basis of your transfer policy and the direction of the club that is going, they did everything absolutely right. First of all, um, the, um, they have Ganchirenko as a coach. As Andrew said, he is known for developing young players. Second of all, they brought they have this good generation who played in Champions League uh, in the youth in the youth Champions League and did fairly well. Um, all the Jamaldinov um, was great. Like there's quite a few players who are coming up right now. So I I really think that CSKA is doing a great uh, thing. Given their their uh, financial difficulties, they doing exact everything is right. They given chances to those young players. They get the minutes. They get the playing time. There's quite mm-hmm. a few of them who coming uh, coming on. And also given that. Um, for example, um, there's there's quite a few like obviously both Berezutskis and Ignashevich. They are um, obviously will retire in the maybe next year, maybe we, we don't know then, but fairly soon. So there's a big of um, the generational ga- uh, change is coming in, in CSKA, and what's happening right now with all those chances to those young players that might extend and give a new a new decade of um, CSKA success. So what's happening right now? is very, very important for the club. And all those youngsters which come on, they, Golovin being the best example, they get the playing time, they get the chance, and those guys are taking it. So I'm excited for all those young players. And I think this guy is doing a great job as a club, as a, just as a, a, an, an organization which is thinking forward. Yeah, I mean, Golovin was great last night. Uh, Andrew, I want to point out that I tipped 1-1 for this game. So I had some hope. Uh, I did still get it wrong, but <laughs> it wasn't uh, all, you know, I didn't think that they would get nothing from this. But this puts them almost in the driver's seat for that second spot uh, early on. I know it's CSKA, but they played a great uh, qualification round to get to the to the group stage. And with everything that's going on at the side right now, and now they win the first game... Um, I would say, you know, I know it's early days. I know it's CSKA. They can still muck it up. But second place is not out of reach for them at all, isn't it? No, absolutely. Um, I was, before this game, I, I saw them as being, my heart said second place was there the best they could get my head said third but after this i'd say absolutely they should be they should be very very disappointed if they don't make second from here because i mean i watched a manchester united game last night as well um being a united fan um and for large parts of the game although it was a 3-0 win they looked desperately uninspiring and it's a it's been a common theme in a lot of european games although they won europa league last year of course um a lot of games were They didn't blow teams away. And I would say if United play like that in Moscow, then Siska could hope to get a draw at least. Um, And then if they can beat Benfica and Basel at home, then 10 points, I'd say 10 points almost, almost guarantees you second spot. So yeah, um, 10 points guarantees you second spot. Basically. Well, I mean, it depends on the other results, but I mean, it pretty much would do. And I'd say, yeah, I agree with you. I think this match is, has really changed the complexion of their European campaign now. Yeah, especially because Benfica didn't look convincing to me at all. I didn't, uh, I didn't think that, you know, that, that they were um, much better than CSGA. CSGA did everything right. I mean, we were talking about a side that hasn't done a single transfer um during during the summer and uh, is very very young except for the backline of course which is over 100 years old when you put it all together 
but you know up front um they they look very good so you know i i was very very positively surprised and um i think the only medium term problem that i can see with CSKA is defense uh, the Beresutsky twins are very old they're 35 and Ignashevich is 38 uh, Victor Vazen, the youngest the defender who is regularly playing in that back three, is 28. There isn't, and there isn't that much coming through the youth academy. So sooner or later, they will have to buy someone. And um, that is, of course, the, the big question mark, in my opinion, because there isn't that much there. But up front, I mean, they, they got Timo Shamaletinov, they got Fedor Chalov, they have Golovin in midfield, Vitinho and Olanara are still young. It's, it's really funny. Um, very young up front, very old in the back. Uh, I guess that's a that's a good mix for now. But um, yeah, boys, I think that's that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Sadly, we're almost out of time. Um, Tim, I know we're going to see each other just in a f- few hours, really. Uh, I'm going to drop on the Harbour airplane and fly over to Vancouver and uh, hang out. And uh, we're going to see Vancouver against the Minnesota United. But uh, what else is going on? Um, what else do you want to pluck? Well, uh, the, our listeners can follow uh, Football Grad Twitter, and I will be in charge of uh, doing, uh, is it called Minute by Minute, or how do you call it? Yeah. Minute by Minute on the uh, account, and then you can um, read my broken English uh, version of uh, what Whitecaps will be doing against Minnesota in t- tonight. And um, uh, yeah, so and hopefully, like I said, we are hoping to get uh, time with Ibsen, who used to play for Spartak. I will prepare for this interview, and hopefully we will deliver you another um, it, um, uh, interview from the dressing room surrounded by half-naked, uh, beautiful, masculine males. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Andrew, what's going on in your life? What do you have to pluck this week? Um, well, I, I haven't done any. I haven't done any previews for a while. Um, I will hopefully get back into the the swing of that. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to um, looking into the second round of games based on what we just mentioned about last night and Manchester United and Liverpool, of course, coming to Moscow. Uh, I'll be in Moscow for those games, so I will provide some sort of live coverage then. Um, so 26th, 27th uh, of September. So that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, good times. I mean, we got so much live coverage. We had lots of live coverage from the Chelsea Karabakh game, and then by the time this pod comes out, um, Tottenham against Borussia Dortmund. So that was all. It will be all on Football Guard Live. You can follow that, and then of course the World Cups Minnesota United game, and then we're at uh, Arsenal against Köln on Thursday as well. Whew, it's been busy, very busy. Anyways, guys, that's it from this week. Um, very fascinating podcast, and if you liked our podcast. And uh, you listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a little review. Tell us what you think, uh, comments, criticism, etc. We like to get better. We like to uh, spread the word. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Well, that's it from us. Until next week, Dos Vidanje.
can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.